We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Zen Nicotine Pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life. Because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zen.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Welcome, everyone, to the newest episode of Draft Class. I'm Chris Percyinen, your host, here welcoming you in because we have got another special guest for today's episode. I can't wait. I've got to get right into this interview so that y'all can hear it because there are some good tidbits in here just like last week. But first, I got to mention the NBA draft is June 23rd. Very excited for that. I cannot wait to see what the Knicks do. I know you guys are excited as well. We've done a lot of work here in draft class, doing a lot of homework, preparing for this Knicks draft, getting our takes ready. And I can't wait to get some of these takes off once the Knicks make their pick. I I, I just I feel like I assume with the Leon Rose front office that it's going to be something I'm happy about, which is nice because I feel like even having someone running the Knicks that you can assume is going to do well is really nice. Um, so I definitely don't take that for granted, but they still got to make the right pick. They still got to handle the draft, right? So that's why we're here on draft class talking about how they should do it and what kind of players they should go after a discussion this week. Uh, my guest, Ian Begley, we know has a lot to say about this draft from a Knicks perspective. So I got to get right into this interview and let him start telling y'all how it is. Welcome to Draft Class, and I hope you enjoy. Joining me now here on the newest episode of Draft Class is another all-star addition to our draft class guest list, but he's not just someone who's covered the Knicks for years for both ESPN, now SNY, and uh, not just someone who covers the Nets and the whole NBA for SNY now too, but he's someone who's been an incredible mentor to me over the years since before I started college. 
Um, just giving me a million dollars worth of game for $9.99, as Mr. Sean Carter once said, an amazing, amazing mentor. Ian Begley here on the show. I got to welcome you in, my man. How are we doing? Hey, I appreciate the kind words, Chris. Thank you very much, man. It's uh, It's been a pleasure. It's been great to, to watch you uh, continue to do new and different things in the media world. And uh, I wish you nothing but success. It's great to be on with you. It's great to have you, man. You're following up your friend on the beat, Mark Berman. So as you can't tell, if you don't get the hint, I'm bringing out the big guns here for the guests on the final episodes of the show. Mr. Berman, Mr. Bagley, two people that I have looked up to for years for how they do their job. And Ian, man, you just always kill it with your reporting and even your videos, like the putback. I love that show since it started. So I really got to give you your flowers, man, because I love consuming your content. Like I, I can't get enough here on draft class though. We do always start with an autopsy, something a little different. Um, and it's before we talk about who we should, could, and would add to this Knicks young core. It's about looking inwards and looking at what we've got to add to Tim Grimes to start out. Now, firstly, with RJ, um, there's going to be a bit of a tone to this question. It's intentional. If he doesn't sign the rookie max, should Nick fans be running all over the place worried? Um, I don't think so. Um, I think it would be a business decision if it went that way. I, I would assume that the Knicks have a, a number that they're comfortable with and RJ and People around RJ have a number a number that they're comfortable with. If they're not able to find common ground before this coming season, it doesn't mean that they won't be able to find common ground the following year when RJ Barrett would be a restricted free agent. Um, it adds a level of intrigue. It would add a level of intrigue to the coming season with Barrett and the Knicks, but I, I don't think it's a sign that, you know, everything um, between Barrett and the Knicks is sour and, you know, his future is in question. I mean, look at Miles Bridges, right? The, the Hornets did not extend him last year, but I think the Hornets uh, are in very good position to retain him now as a restricted free agent. I would assume that they do. Uh, I hope for Kenny Atkinson's sake that they do. So uh, these things happen sometimes in the league. If it were to go that way, I don't think it's a doomsday scenario. Sounds good to me because you know how I feel about Mr. Rowan. Um, secondly, like I, I, I'm, I'm not clear on how your opinion on RJ. <laughs> Uh, you know, I think uh, I think he's all right. So, <laughs> Mr. Quentin Grimes, the other guy I have a question about, you know, Nick fans, especially Nick's Twitter loves, loves, loves their workout videos. Quentin Grimes trainer just the other day put out an update on his offseason progress. He's looking really good. Um, just he looks, looks comfortable out there on the court in that video. That's what I took away was he looks really comfortable working hard, which I love. Some videos just came out, though, and I've got to ask, maybe even not as soon as next year. Do you think the team sees a bigger role for him going forward than, you know, just three and D? I know at Kansas, he didn't have the best time as a primary, which led to him transferring back home, going to Houston and, and picking up a different role. But he shined in that role and showed some playmaking chops. Do you think the Knicks see him bringing those out on the NBA level or do they think they just have a gem of a three and D guy? Yeah, I would I would assume that they would like to see Quinn Grimes establish himself more in that three and D area um, before expanding things into, you know, pl playing as a facilitator, uh, primary ball handler. But but certainly 
uh, when you look at Grimes and what he did last season when healthy, he gives you every reason in the world to believe that he can thrive in that three and D role. Uh, I think um, playmaking, ball handling, uh, beating your man off the dribble. I know that these are skills that people who have observed Grimes uh, over the course of his prep career, college career, uh, know that he possesses. Uh, but I would think in the short term, at least next year, early next year with the Knicks, I would think it's more about you know fine-tuning and, and doing more within that uh, 3 and D role than it is expanding uh, to a shot creator, to somebody who's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. I agree. He needs to... Uh, you know, shine, be a stud in his role and, and, and get to that first. It's nothing against him at all. Uh, he's just, you know, he didn't play consistently last year until injuries allowed him to, you know, getting him that consistent role is going to be part of it. And that leads me right to my next question. Now it's looking like it's going to be a difficult situation with the roster as constructed for guys like Grimes, Reddish, even Deuce McBride. And now with the 11th pick, you know, McBride playing is kind of an afterthought. Uh, to get minutes under Coach Thibodeau, what do you think the likelihood is that they make a move to free up time for those guys? And if they do, is there anyone you know out of Burks, Noel, Fournier, those veteran deals, even Derek Rose, even though it would pain me to see him go, is there anyone you can see them moving you know more than the others to make time for those young guys? Well, in, later in the season last year, I, I think that you know there was a thought externally, other teams felt that Noel would be you know certainly available this off season. Um, I don't know how much has changed in that department, but if you're asking like most likely, you know, I would think given the fluidity of the center situation, uh, we have to see how things play out with Mitchell Robinson first. But but I think there you look at Noel as somebody who, you know, he's going to he's going to draw a level of interest from other teams, even with the injury uh, last year, the injuries last year, I should say that that hampered him. I think he showed you the year before what he can do when healthy. So he'll draw interest. Now with regards to like them opening up minutes uh, for one of these younger players, I think it's a little bit tricky because the value of the the veterans, a lot of the contracts that they signed uh, last summer, you know, it's not as high as obviously they'd hoped it would be at this point. And I saw, I think, Getting off of those deals isn't as simple as uh, one would hope if you were looking to free up minutes for a young player. I think that, you know, attaching uh, an asset maybe uh, makes it a little bit easier. But, you know, with Alec Burke specifically at the deadline last year, like the the prevailing thought was at the very least, they're going to do a deal that gets out Burks somewhere else and frees up minutes for cameras. It didn't happen then. And that tells me a little bit about how it's not just a, a slam dunk transaction for something like that to occur. So uh, while there is probably thoughts internally about how that might happen, I don't think anything is, is set in stone right now with, with that kind of a move and, and freeing up minutes for a younger player. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis 
analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I want to talk about, I got to start with these prospects, man, because there's one that's on every Nick fan's mind. You just put out a piece on him today on Jade and Ivy. So perfect timing because on the last episode of the show, as I said, I had Mr. Mark Berman on and he said that Ivy, well, I asked him about a hypothetical prospect named Caden Divey. And he said that Caden Divey has been the apple of the Knicks eye for several months. So do you have any thoughts on this same Caden Divey guy that's floating around? Do you think the Knicks would move up? You wrote about how it would take a package that it's debatable whether they would give it up or not. What, what do you think about what kind of package would go out from New York's end and would they do it to elaborate on that article a little bit? Right. So with Sacramento, you know, the, the prevailing thought is that they would be looking for a player who can help you right now, help you win games, um, you know, this coming season. And so you look at their roster and you look at the Nick roster and Julius Randle would be kind of. Uh, duplicating uh, a player that they just brought in and Demonis Sabonis. So I wouldn't think there'd be a fit there. And so then RJ Barrett, I, I can't see the Knicks, including RJ Barrett in, in most trades, particularly one to move up in a draft because the idea is to, to bring young talent uh, alongside Barrett rather than to, to trade Barrett to bring in another draft pick. So then you're looking at the other young guys, right? I mean, I would think that Sacramento would demand uh, multiple picks and one or two of these younger players to make something happen. And if you're the Knicks, you have to really, really love Jaden Ivey to roll the dice like that, because that's uh, getting rid of uh, the assets that have been accrued over time, going back to 
Steve Mills, Scott Perry, even Phil Jackson was opposed to trading future first. So this is something these picks have been built up over time. And so to take that kind of a swing, you have to love Ivy. Uh, Mark, I'm not questioning his reporting, but I always think that to say a team loves player X, you know, there's competing opinions within front offices and organizations, especially around draft time. So I'd be surprised if there was a uniformity uh, among the Knicks. Of course, the Knicks aren't a, they're not a monolith, you know, some front office members really wanted Cam Reddish. Some said, Hey, maybe we don't need to give up a first. And if, you know, one of those sides gets reported, people think, Oh, the Knicks front office hates Cam Reddish. The Knicks front office loves Cam No, people are people and people have different opinions on things, right? These are real humans working in these front offices and humans do not agree on everything, right? So I feel like that fans do that a lot. They think that, oh, Denver loves this player. They're going to give up whatever for him. It's like, no, well, maybe the GM that spoke to that reporter loves that player, but the other assistants all hate him and they end up convincing, yeah, there's, there's a lot going on. And these are, these are workplaces, you know, not everyone in a workplace agrees either. But the one thing on Ivy is that the Knicks, I know that they've been trying to gain intel on where Ivy might go, what teams love him, what teams, you know, would not pass on him uh, that are ahead of them. So that tells you um, about, you know, their their interest and in, in what might happen ahead of him and where he might land. And so there is that. Um, but I guess my question in a big picture sense with this club is like, okay. 37 wins last year, disappointing season, playoffs the year before, everybody's happy. Uh, Can you, I think in a perfect world, you do this, you keep going young, but can you go into next year and then come out with like, you know, 32 wins, but young players who are showing a lot of promise, or do you feel the need to to go out and, and improve on the win total immediately? and try to get into you know the bottom four in the east and, and get back to the playoffs i i just wonder how much patience there would be for uh them to take a step back in the win total department next season i do have to ask you about the draft profile you wrote before this one about Caden Divey on Mr. AJ Griffin. AJ Griffin, you know, is a local product. I joked to Mark that he wouldn't hate the Terrytown practice facility the way that a lot of reporters <laughs> say Nick players do. Listen, I got to start here. Do you think he even makes it to 11? I would be surprised if he did. Uh, I know coming out of the lottery, people around him that I trust would be surprised if he did. Um, that would be a precipitous drop for a player that has profiled as highly as he had throughout his prep career. And, and I mean, I at Duke, obviously the injuries played a role in what happened, but still um, the, the way he shoots the ball and his body type, I'd be surprised if he fell to 11, but there's always somebody who falls, right? There's always a player who drops um, and is there and, and is there for a team at the Knicks real estate that maybe they didn't expect to be there with Griffin, you know, they're, they're, probably are questions about his injuries, um, the knee and everything that he dealt with uh, at Duke. And so I I wonder if he's the guy who slips, but I I still just given where the league is today, given his body type, given his skill set, I think a lot of people would be surprised if he slipped, but somebody's going to slip, right? Whether, you know, Johnny Davis, I don't think it's going to be, you know, Dyson Daniels or Ben Matherin, but there's going to be a player that's talked about, uh, uh, you know, top six, top seven, that's going to slide down to where New York is. And that's where things will get interesting. 
Right. I know uh, my draft class listeners are aware that AJ is definitely my number one target for the Knicks at 11. Just if he's there, I think that's a run to the podium kind of pick if, if AJ is there. But it's going to be interesting. You know, I, I know he just worked out for Portland and I know Jonathan Wasserman over at Bleacher Report was talking about some new intel he received that uh, would make him think that the Knicks might go Branham over Griffin, just not Knicks specific Intel, but teams seem to like Malachi teams seem to be a little wary of AJ with the injury. So yeah, he mocked Branham over Griffin to the Knicks and, and stood by it. And, you know, I, I'll always respect those takes. Cause it's like, well, you know, you, you're putting stuff together. There's a million things you're hearing, but I, I can't see the Knicks passing on AJ, man. I, I love him. So we'll see. Speaking of the team though, and bringing guys in for workouts and this and that, they just brought three guys in and let the media talk to them as well in Dyson Daniels, in Malachi Branham, and Ty Ty Washington. Branham's the name that really intrigues me here. Um, do you think he would be a real consideration at 11, or would he be someone who's a now infamous Brock Aller trade down candidate in the draft? Yeah, just, I mean, based on that recent history that you're referencing, I would, I would tend to assume that if they loved Branham and they felt like, you know, they could get him a couple of spots back. They would do that uh, at Brock Aller two-step where they go back and they still get their guy. You know, we've seen it several times now, um, Grimes, McBride. And so it's, it's something that they've kind of uh, made a name for themselves for doing. And with Branham, you know, Jonathan, you know, lives and breathes college hoops. And, and at this time of year, you know, I do too, because of the draft, but I, I get the sense that he's, he should be there like at 11. And if he's not, does that mean, you know, another player that maybe somebody we referenced earlier drops uh, to where the Knicks are. Uh, but that being said, I think Brandon is a kind of player where they could, they could drop a couple spots back and he could be there and then they could, could gain an asset. Um, as we've seen again, past couple right. years. Add something to the war chest there. All right. I know you have to run, but I have one more question. We got to talk about centers. You mentioned it earlier. It was on the docket. Now it's double on the docket because you mentioned it earlier. Mitchell Robinson's a free agent. As we all know, there are two intriguing options at center. I think we'll both go in the lottery in Jalen Duran and in Mark Williams. They both have fans and they definitely both have haters. Shout out Stacey Patton on Nick's Twitter. Um, do you think Mitch stays? First of all, do you think he comes to an agreement with the club to resign? Maybe they tell him, Oh, go find a better offer. And he can't, or do you know of other teams that are going to be really after the young big man? Well, we've talked about Detroit forever. Um, uh, OKC had interest before the deadline. I think that changes now because of where they are um, in the draft. I think there's a couple other contenders, depending on how things shake out with Rudiger bear, uh, where you could see them coming after Mitchell Robinson. But I think the thing with Robinson and how you kind of look at that center market is, you know, it starts with Aiton and it starts with uh, Nurkic in Portland. And then you kind of, then you get to Mitchell Robinson and you see where he is. So I don't think that's going to be, I'd be surprised, I should say, if that was a minute one thing for Robinson to sign with someone else or re-sign with the Knicks. I think that's going to play itself out based on the centers ahead of Mitchell in the market. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, my assumption is the money is going to be at a, a place where the Knicks uh, end up being comfortable and bringing him back. I know that he's valued um, by uh, prominent people over there because of the way he uh, impacts the defensive end, obviously Tom Thibodeau, defensive coach. And I think that 
people have uh, maybe earlier in the year, there was more question marks because of his injury history. But over the course of the year, I think people have, have warmed to the idea of uh, how important he is to the team overall. Obviously, if a Detroit comes in and comes in with like a you know twenty million dollar a year offer, uh, I don't know if the Knicks are, are that keen on going that high. But uh, barring something like that, I would think he's back. All right, so that is good to hear from Mitch's fans. Say he signs elsewhere and they draft a center at eleven. I'm going to throw you for a loop here as a last bonus question. Do you see Tom Thibodeau turning to Noel as a starter? Because they're not. He's not starting Sims, and he is definitely not starting a rookie, in my opinion. So, do you think there's a world where Noel starts next year, or they would go out and acquire a center, maybe Isaiah Hartenstein, even a quote-unquote boring acquisition, uh, as opposed to starting someone like Noel or starting a rookie? Yeah, I think if Mitch goes elsewhere, I think it would be in a sign and trade where the Knicks are getting something back or part of a deal where the Knicks needed to create some some space or create some money to bring a player back for your trade. And then when you talk about that center position, I don't think that the Knicks would hesitate to bring in somebody like uh, Hartstein or like a, a Mo Bamba where you would have what they've had the last couple of years where Mitchell Robinson, Nerlens Noel, um, when healthy, you have both of those guys who could come in and protect the rim. I'm not saying that Mo Bamba replicates that skill set, but I think with Noel and another, you know, seven footer who you can rely on to give you minutes either off the bench as a starter, they'd be comfortable with that scenario if Robinson is not on this roster next year. All right, Ian, thank you so much for your answers, for your time. I know you've got to run, so I'll let you go, but it was great to have you here on the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, Chris, always good to be with you, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of the show. Thank you to everyone who tuned in. I appreciate you guys a billion, billion times. Uh, you guys are the most amazing family. I say it every week because you deserve it. Like your support on Twitter is never ending. Your support in the DMs, whatever it is, I cannot believe how lucky I am to have you guys as listeners. It's just literally unbelievable to the point where at the end of every episode, I reflect back and I think about how grateful I am for you guys. And I get like caught up like this in these moments. You're probably sick of it at this point, but it's so important to me that I let you guys know how important you guys are to me to bring that sentence back in a full circle. I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode of Draft Class. I hope you've enjoyed all the episodes of Draft Class. And I cannot wait for you guys to see how this NBA draft goes because I know I can't wait to see how this NBA draft goes. We're going to have another episode of Draft Class, though. This was the penultimate episode. There will be a grand finale coming next week. So season one of Draft Class will be unfortunately coming to an end, but I think we're going to go out with a bang and I cannot wait for you guys to see what this next episode is going to be for the whole team at Nick's film school. I thank you guys so much just for being you. I want to remind you guys to go check out the newest cap or no cap. I got to feature on it with my guy, Jeremy and give my take on why we shouldn't sign Jalen Brunson. 
And also make sure you go check out Cream Capitals, everything around me. That's Jeremy's show. It's amazing. Make sure you watch the KFS pods, John, either with Andrew or with our special interview guests we get to bring on. John is, you know, I don't need to say anything about that old guy. You guys know he's the best. And to wrap up, make sure you follow me on Twitter if you don't already at Chris Percy Island. That's Chris with a K. Last name will autofill. Good luck trying to spell that. That's going to be it for this week's episode of DC. I want to thank everyone one more time for joining me and remind you to come back next week for the grand finale. Let's go Knicks.